Hi, I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to Seek Your Summit. As a mom, a business owner, and the first female to climb the seven second summits, I realize that the mountains we climb are a part of our success. And it is up to us to go beyond that success into a life of significance. Listen in as I share personal stories and interview others who have led a life of both success and significance, and now they are paying it forward. All right, friends, today I have Dave Pygon on the podcast. He's an author, a podcaster, and owns a consulting firm to help you with leadership skills for you and your organization. So listen in as we get some fun tips on how to become better leaders ourselves today. Friends, I have a friend on the show today. We are lucky to introduce you to Dave Pygon. Dave, how are you today? Jen, I am outstanding, and thank you for having me on today. It's an honor. I mean it. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. I, you're from the Midwest. You're in Chicago. Who doesn't love Chicago? I grew up in Michigan. We'd go there all the time. Yes, who does not love Chicago? Uh, usually the people who hate cold do not like Chicago, Jen. That's kind of the formula for unhappy people is that. So we're used to it, though. So we just battle through, right? You're a Michigan gal, so you know. I know. I know. And nothing beats a magnificent mile. I mean, especially with all the holidays and things coming up. It's one of my favorite memories as a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I always say if I lived in somewhere warm, the dream always has been is the day after Christmas, let's go away and get out of here. I'm good with that. But there's yeah. something cool. I just don't know if I would want to be in Florida or Mexico or California on Christmas Day. Maybe I would love it. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I haven't tried it yet. I haven't tried it either. There's something about snow and Christmas that just equates in my head. So I understand that entirely. Well, it brings back the childhood in all of us, I think. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so talk to us about, you had a huge career shift. So talk to us, bring us to that point. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. Why didn't you warn me and tell me what I was getting myself into running my thing here? Yes. All kidding aside, I was blessed to work with three large Fortune 500 companies in my life. And I say that, and I don't mean that in a Pollyanna BS kind of way. I mean it authentically because all three of them were massively into training development and getting me better. I wouldn't be here in this. I mean, just from emotional intelligence to DISC and to strength finders and all this stuff they believed in. And I've learned not everybody is into that stuff. So I'm very fortunate. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I've always wanted to start my own company. I thought it would be awesome. I always wanted to write my own book, thought that'd be cool. And then yeah. I always wanted to be like you and just do a podcast for no other reason than to ha- bring a lot of good content and have some fun. And Jen, I made every excuse. I tell everyone this story. And that is for years, I, I did it. And you can name them probably off the top of your head of what I'm thinking. Uh, it's not the right time. It's family. It's money. It's blah, blah, blah. I had them all. Yeah. And then one day, watch you two things that propelled me to finally have the courage, the guts, whatever you want to call it, do it was one is this book. I read these two women, ex-military, now lawyers. I felt like they were talking to me. They had one line in the book and Courtney Lynch says, And I laugh and I smile at this one because I feel like she really was talking to me. She said, what people don't get is by not taking the risk or being bold, what are you losing by staying put in that status quo world? And it really just hit my brain. It's like, 
oh my goodness, I never thought of that. Then I'm driving into a big, massive account at 6.30 in the morning, two weeks later, and on the broadcast, and I won't cuss, but the person on the podcast cussed basically. I felt like he was talking to me, no courage, no backbone, do what you believe in and go for it. So I finally called my brother up, who I love my brother, anyone who knows, and I said, Pygon One starts next week, and I'm going to do this. And that's kind of how I came to starting Pygon One. So. I finally had the courage ultimately is what I'm telling everyone to do it. So you can do it. Yeah. So it was a series of events. Like I think a lot of people look at this like one pivotal moment and there is kind of that pivotal moment, but there's a, there's a building before that, right? There's a lot of little steps that happen before that. And then one trigger and then the next trigger. And then finally like, Hey, I need to do my own thing. I want to start a consulting firm and this is, if I don't do it now, when? Correct. Because no matter what happens on this journey is, when I'm 75, hanging out on the beach or coming to visit you in the West Coast, my wife and I, yeah. I won't have regrets. It took me to I'm right. 53 to do it, but I did it. Yeah. Well, actually, 52 at that time. I did it. Yeah. Because you hear the stories all the time, whether it's Jobs on his deathbed writing all the regrets he had. And everybody, I didn't want to do that because you're right. I give that kind of cutesy, catchy, those two final things. But it, there was many things that led up to that, the daydreaming, pontificating about it. And I didn't leave a bad situation. And I was there for over 20 years, knew everybody, comfortable, going to go up the leadership chain at some point again, and all this other stuff. So it wasn't that. In fact, I had a lot of people going, hey, you, and you're going to laugh at this. You're like, they're like you're, you're 11, 12, 13 months or 13 years away from retirement if you just kind of stay the course. And it's not my job or my role to explain my why necessarily. I just said, totally get it. I'm going a different route. Yeah, right? It's crazy. I love the courage and I love the fact that you stepped into it. And so you went out on your own and started the consulting firm. Then you wrote the yep. book and then you started the podcast. Yeah. How did, like, do you feel like the courage just kept building the momentum? I believe once you jump, the next jump yeah. is not is hard. I mean, you look at your backstory, yep. which by the way, is unbelievably impressive. I brag about you behind your back. Like oh, you're my best buddy. You. We've known each other forever. Because hey, that's true. We're yeah. in. I'm good. No, because it is badass. <laughs> it really is. And I would throw the question to you back at you there. I don't mean to do it, but I'm going to, is think about your journey. Once you made the jump, look at all the other jumps you met. I want right. to easier, more palatable might be a better word. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just the momentum. It's like, okay, well, I'm already doing this. This is, you get, you get confidence from doing the first thing that feels good. And you're like, well, if this feels good, maybe the next thing will feel good. And you just build from that. So I've had the pleasure of reading this book, which I thought was amazing. When the 16. Thank you. Talk about what the 16 means. Because when I first got into it, I'm like, what's the 16? What's the 16? Yes, yes, yes. Well, originally... I've always lived my life, not perfect, but I've always lived it with a certain yeah. sense of, and it came from my mom, because she raised three kids on her yeah. own, uh, worked during the day, went to night school. So as you can imagine, busy as can be, yeah. efficiency had to be on her side. Now, she, had, she did a great job of delegating, lived with our grandparents. She, as I always tell people, if we're doing an organizational chart, my mom was the CEO with a vision. 
understanding exactly what needed to be done. And then she had her chief operating officer, her was grandma. No one messed with her. She got her shit done. Um, excuse me. I don't know if I can say that. And, yeah, and then grandpa, who was the manager who reported to both of those ladies. So God bless him, man. God bless oh my grandma. goodness. What a good soul yeah, that one yeah. is. <laughs> okay. So when the 16 is a way to live your life, it's principles and strategies to optimize your day. I want to do win the day or win the 24. And my lawyer's like, you're not doing that. That's trademark. Think again. And then I went okay. back to the lab and I daydreamed, thought about it. I'm really into health, as are you. I believe in it. I'm just yeah. better when I eat well, when I sleep well, when I exercise. I'm just better. And all of us are. The data supports that. Yep. Most of the data, generally speaking, our healthcare providers will say seven to nine hours the average person should get to sleep, no matter the age. So I split the difference. And I said, you know what? I'm going to run on that because I believe in it. I'm just better when I sleep. And that's how we came up with 16. You have 16 waking hours to be your best self. Now, everybody out there, I don't want you to think I'm doing burpees or reading self-help books at nine o'clock at night. Because part of being your best self is I watch the, uh, what is this? The golden age bachelor with my wife every week in Gary. Just being oh your best gosh, self it. is doing things with your partner or whoever. And it's not always about self-help, being better, uh, work and that. That is part of that. And I talk about in that book, well-being, life balance, et cetera. But don't get me wrong. Winning the 16 is about kicking ass and competing every yeah. day and getting up early and going after it. Did I say that right? Yeah, and I, you're very serious about it too. And you even give, okay, well, how do you do that? What's your ideal day look like? How are you oh, scheduling your hours? So you're not just looking at it as 16. You're getting specific and clear. And I truly feel once we get specific and clear, that's where the magic happens. And so you're breaking it down by the half hour to the hour so that you're not wasting this gift of life that you have. Yes, yes. I'm a believer in you don't negotiate with yourself. What I mean by that to everyone who's listening is when you're thinking about doing something, there's no thinking you do it. There's no, oh, I want to get out of bed. I'm tired. I don't want to. Nope. No negotiations. You just get up and go. Same thing yep. is if you're looking I, I even tell my kids who are now working professionally, they're, the twins are 23 boys, my oldest is 20, 26. I always say, let's say everything's equal. You're talented as much as your competitor. You're working just as hard from nine to three as they are. I go, the competitive advantage you really have if you're willing to take this on is most people from three to five, they start to slip. They start to go down. Mm -hmm. That's a two-hour competitive advantage. If you take care of yourself, sleep well, put good stuff in your body, exercise, and stay focused and work hard and have a good plan from three to five, that's two hours every day you're probably going to – you're ahead of your competitor. Times five days, that's 10 hours. Times four days in a month, that's 40 hours. There is no way they can compete with you. Like The math just doesn't work. Um, so you're exactly right. The book – literally will walk people through hour by hour, early successes today. And it's not, Jen, it wasn't to tell people what to do. Like I'm not, I'm giving them ideas, cold showers, meditation, maybe just walk for 10 minutes in the morning in the light. If you're in an area where there is sunshine at that time of day, but the hope was mm -hmm. to other, for people to go, you know what? I'm not going to do any of that. 
but I got an idea for me. Because win the 16 is not right. to do what you do, because your schedule is amazing. It's incredible. It takes resiliency, energy, all of that. They're not, I'm not recommending people to try to be you. What I am saying is, though, they can take some of the attributes and some of the traits and find what's best for them. And it could be as simply as maybe starting off with drinking a glass of water every day and going for a walk. That right. would be awesome. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think we learn from each other and then we apply it to our own lives and say, okay, this is working or this doesn't, or this feels long-term or this feels there's too much lift for the, the squeeze, right? So it's just understanding who we are, celebrating that and working our lives to promote the best versions of ourselves to bring into everything that we do. do you so when you, when a company hires you for consulting, what are you providing them? My two main things that I do is my expertise is in leadership development, developing, training, okay. coaching, managers, directors, executives, whether that's one-on-one -on -one or in group training sessions. Uh, that is my expertise. I have over 20 years in leadership and I love it. I just, wow. I'm not yeah. a believer in the 1840 uh, great man theory that we're born leaders. I think some of us are certain traits that we have that help us. But leadership's a skill. It doesn't matter what your personality mm -hmm. is. You can lead that way. But it's a skill. And it's a skill, unfortunately, most people don't work on. Um, most people get promoted because they're really good at whatever that is, that whole Peter principle. Mm -hmm. And then they get promoted again to the next level because they were really good at that until they get to a point where they're just not that good anymore. Now they're stuck somewhere because they're not necessarily developing on what I think is crazy, but we call those soft skills. And I, I don't think leadership's soft. I think it's actually the opposite. Here's a question for you. Can you name one organization, and I know you're a sports lady too, one sports team that has bad leadership that is consistently successful? Name one. Yeah. You can't. I can't. I can't even no. think about it. Right. I always say people sometimes are just successful despite themselves, right? They're pretty good or good. I always say, how about if we go out of this world like that? Let's get even better. So that's what I do. I spend my whole time on leadership development. I kind of geek out on that and bring yeah. in multiple different ways. And then the other thing is I do talks on Win the 16, training programs on that yeah. of how do we optimize our day? What does that look like? How do we build resilience? How do we handle unforeseen challenges that inevitably are going to happen? How do we get efficient with our time and many more things? And I make sure, and I know this you're going to love, it's chapter 16 in the book, Healthy Love Style. But I usually make my clients allow me to use one slide and it's mind and body. And it says on there, it talks about, it says sleep plus nutrition plus movement. And if people just do that, they'll just be better. And it's not. Oh, that formula is so important. Yes. Sleep plus nutrition plus movement. When we are operating at our best and we feel good, we do so much better in everything we do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I got a question for you. Can I ask you a question now? Please, please. How do you, with your business schedule, running your businesses, writing your book, well, preparing your launch for your book, I should say, um, yeah, running the family with seven kids, how do you do it? What's your secret? Yeah. You know, I'm very intentional. So I will look at my calendar in bulk. So but by the month, I have slots that are blocked off that can't get booked. And then as we get closer to those weeks, 
we might say, oh, you know what, we can fit this in, or this is going to shift, or things like that are going to happen. And then when it comes to Sunday of the next week, I'm looking at it in detail and saying, okay, here's drive times, here's these pieces, here's that. So I'm scheduling all that in because I think a lot of times we forget about those little things that add a lot of time. Driving to and from the activity is going to add an hour out of my day that if I don't calculate it, then my whole day is crunched and rushed and I'm never going to get ahead. And that's a feeling I don't like. Um, And then a lot of times it's, I'll have a podcast and then I'll have another podcast and maybe there's a 20 minute break in between the two of them. If there's a staircase by me, I might go do stairs for 20 minutes or 15 minutes of that time. Or I might get on a treadmill for a little bit that I have in the basement. My workouts used to be, oh, here's an hour or here's two hours. Right now with all the things going on, I don't have that luxury. It is here's 10 minutes and 20 minutes and 40 minutes. And now all of a sudden that adds up to a full workout, but it's in little bite-sized pieces throughout the day. You block time off in your schedule where you don't necessarily have something, but you either know you're going to have something or you just want that time locked in. Yes, we do. We have time that's blocked that we will, as it gets closer, if there's special opportunities or emergencies, it's what uses that slot. Smart, smart. Yeah. I don't always know if people like, there's always opportunities that come up. There's always emergencies that come up and just having that slush fund, it's used, but it's nice that it's not scheduled because then I can show up the way that I desire. So smart. Are you a multitasker? I try not to be. Um, I, honestly, because I feel like once I get too many windows open in this head, it's hard for me to go from window to window to window. So I do try to time block, but that's easier said oh, than done. Yes. Yeah. I've, yeah. What about yourself? Of course. I, I preach not to do it. And I always tell people now as I'm preaching, I'm not saying out of perfection I am because I don't. So here's what I, here's what I give people on that. Cause I do it for myself. The critical stuff, there's no multitasking. Like there's no, when I was writing the book, no multitasking, phone off, computers off, everything's off, typing into my iPad, like no notifications, non-negotiable, writing proposals. There are certain things that I just will not multitask. With that said, since time isn't on my side, there are other things that I say are kind of minor, low priority, low urgency stuff. I get to them when I can. That stuff I'll multitask. You're calling and I'm in that area. I am picking up the phone. There's not a question about that. So that's how I do it because I really want to be real world with people because that's what I do. And I get it because I know some of my clients, they'll look at me. They're like, if I don't multitask, I'll never, you want me to sleep eight hours? I won't sleep two. I kind of split the difference and say, okay, here's how I do it. Is this fair? Can we do this? Uh, Here's a big one presence when you're working with people. I know one of the mistakes I would I made in my past lifetime, because I think it's and and I'm I, I don't and I'm I don't know you that well, but I know you well enough. You're not a big believer in self-deprecation. And no. I am not in fact I have this thing. I used to do this. I like self-deprecation, I think is one of our biggest weaknesses and it is the worst thing you can do because the world's coming at you. You can't come at yourself. Like there's enough things going against you. I was on a mountain brushing my teeth and I looked out at the world and I took it all in. I'm like, oh, wow, this is beautiful because you don't have mirrors when you're brushing your teeth out in the wilderness. 
Well, I came back home from this expedition and I started brushing my teeth in the mirror again because I could brush my teeth in the bathroom. And I realized I was saying horrible things to myself. Like, oh, you need to like pluck your eyebrows or your hair needs to like, what you know, like all the things that you do. And I'm like, wait, this isn't helping me. I felt so much better last week when I was outside, when I didn't have a mirror that I'm feeling right now. And the only difference is, is how I'm talking to myself. And so now like in my household, we have this thing called the toothbrush talk that when you're brushing your teeth, you're only allowed to say positive things to yourself. And it's funny because like even my kids were doing it. It wasn't just me. And I think these little teeny tiny things, they're not little teeny and tiny when you really add them up. No, the mind, that whole mindset, the mindset's everything to me at least. Yeah. Because if my mindset's not yeah. right, so if I wasn't, if I, my mindset wasn't right today, even, even coming on this podcast, it's just going to be, and I'm not saying it's great right now, but in terms of my articulation here, but it'd be worse. There's no way you can fight the world we live in and not have the right mindset. Uh, so I love that you said that. And I love the old uh, brushing your teeth on the mountain. Yes. Yeah. That is no, so funny. Fun. Um. So when you work with leaders, do you develop your own curriculum or do you have some favorite books or quotes or leaders that you like to emulate? Sure. I, I, I have curriculums for everything. I mean, I have clients, okay. but it's all customized to them. Whatever they're looking to do, yeah. uh, if they want, they want to work on effective communication. They want to work on the culture. Uh, culture is such a big overused word. I need about a thousand questions after they say that because I got to know what that really means because yeah. it's so overused this you're shaking your head. You totally agree with that. Uh, so everything's called yes. customized to whatever the client is looking to do. What I find a lot of times is they don't even know. It's once we go through the questioning mm -hmm. and I just ask question after question through that discovery, we end, up, um, we end up uncovering a lot. And then we figure out, okay, what's the one or two big priorities? And a lot of the material I have, I just need to kind of move it around. Uh, and then I just customize it to whatever they would like. An example would be, Bold versus risk versus reckless. Reckless is out. Mm. Right? None of us are want to be reckless. That's out. Risk, and I don't know if you agree with this example. I'll give you, but I'm going to throw it out your way anyways. I view risk as this. You and I, I come up, I pick you up in a helicopter, a helicopter in Utah. We get in a helicopter, we're flying around. We get our parachutes on, we jump. The parachute opens. You and I won. That's a good day. We we're still alive. We're kicking. That risk was good. It doesn't open. That was a bad risk, and that's a bad day. Okay, you can mm -hmm. see. I know that's a ridiculous example, but that's why a lot of people don't take risks. Is because the loss is so great to them that even if they would win potentially, they can't do it. Yeah, and that's why I give that ridiculous metaphor to get in people's brains. And I sell them, I get why you don't want to take a risk. I, I, I hear you, okay? Let me take you to a journey somewhere else. You tell me if this is a little more doable for you, bold. Bold to me is this. We do something, we try it, and it works, and we win. Great. We get the dopamine rush, the, that motivator molecule we love, we feel great. Let's say it doesn't work out exactly, Jen, how you and I had hoped and anticipated. We didn't lose. We learned. Me, what yeah. I try to teach and coach and support, and I would say support is the best word I can use for that, is to support these people, is you win and you learn. You don't really lose. Yeah. It's 
not a win-lose proposition. Right. Risk kind of is. So let's get away from that. A lot of my clients, as they go into 2024, here's what they're still going to deal with. Um, maybe infl- in, uh, inflation keeps going down. Interest rates, who knows what's going to happen. Supply chain, I don't think that's ever really going to go away as a problem. Uh, competitors are not going to go away. Most people want increased sales and revenue, and you've got the same product that you're manufacturing, selling, whatever. How are you going to win? One of the things is you got to get better, and you probably got to be bold. You might have to, you mm-hmm. might have to do something that you're not comfortable with, that's going to take you to be courageous, and it's going to get you out of your comfort zone. To me, that's being bold. But the great news is, even if it doesn't necessarily win how you define win is, you're going to learn from it, so then you can use something else and get better. So that's an example. Your question, I gave. I just want to give everyone an example. We do everything. Yeah. It just depends what the client needs once we talk. DISC is a big thing because I'm a maniac about personality assessments. Yep. Most people like think it's a soft, oh, it's nice to know that. You know, Jen's a happy driver, Mark Cuban, tough, but also a Barack Obama person who's likable, communicates that. No, it's how do you use that when you communicate with Jen? Like, you better get to the point because she's a busy lady and she's got to make decisions. She doesn't have all day. Um, How do you connect with people? And that's what I also, I, I teach and we coach and we support because if you can really connect with somebody, you're more apt to get them if that's your, if you're reporting to somebody or someone's reporting to you, that whole connection piece, if you really get them, you're more apt to have a not only better relationship, ultimately is you're at a work, you're able to be more productive with them and more efficient and effective, which leads back to win the 16. So. Definitely. The DISC um, assessment, that's when you're red, blue, green, or yellow, right? Um, there are many of them with colors, but they're all very similar. I just use DISC because I think it's it's the most practical, real world. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an author named Thomas Erickson who wrote the Surrounded by Idiots series. And he talks all about the DISC assessments. And it's a huge series. And it just talks about how, oh, this is who you are, not as a negative, but once you know who you are, it's a superpower to lean into those strengths and play to them. And then you can help understand other people because you have a framework to put it in and then language around that. Absolutely. It's so many... I do it with sales teams all the time because they're dealing with their clients and they're so frustrated with them. And, and, and I always take them back to, if you're dealing with a critical thinker like my brother, who's a doctor, okay. he's great. He's an ex-athlete. He's a great guy. He's definitely really smart and driven. Is He will absolutely, his change agility is amazing, but you'd never know it because he's a critical thinker. He will change, but you've got to address his 17 questions. Now, if you're right. a driver like a Mark right. Cuban type, they might think, hey, I, I've asked seven questions. I've asked a ton of questions. I never asked these many questions. And he's not changing. Well, yeah, because you're only halfway there. Yeah. Because that's yeah. a critical thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to know that when you're dealing with them. Or my wife, who's a stable, steady Freddie, you love her, Jen. She's amazing. She's kind. Yeah. She'd actually care about all your problems. She'd want to hear Aww. about everybody's costume, all the kids, the 10-year-old too. Like, what are they wearing and all that stuff. But yeah. that personality type change is not in their DNA. So you can imagine right. her boss probably at sometimes gets very frustrated. Like, oh, she doesn't change. Instead of owning it and saying, I've got a great employee who's amazing. She's kind. She's never late. She's always on time. She works her tail off. 
but she's got this area that's not in her DNA. So me as the leader, I need to support and help and nurture. And if I do that, I'm going to be more successful what I need out of her. And she is going to be in a much better culture environment because I'm doing that. But most people don't do that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, being a leader is elevating those around you and helping them get what they need so that they can perform their best. It takes time and it takes a lot of work. So what I do is I try not to give, I don't ever walk in and I I have a Pygon One leadership model. I don't say, hey, we're going to work on all of these. I say, pick one. Let's just, in the book, I talk about little steps. That's all. Drink water and walk everybody early in the morning. You'll feel better and you'll feel really good about yourself if you don't do it. Trust me. And like, well, what else? There is no one else. Zero. Yeah, right. It's honestly, it's that simple and that That's hard. It. Believe it or not, both go together. That is it, my friend. That is, do that for three weeks. Call me back after your 21 days or so. And then we'll have that next discussion. Because I do believe it's like going to a meeting in corporate America. And, and I bless the hearts of all these women and men out there at these meetings. They're running their teams into the ground. They're filling every slot in. Oh, we got 20 minutes. Okay, we're going to do this. Instead of how much can they take for three and four days? Um, I used to always let people early. And it was amazing, Jen. I kid you not. At the end, if we were leaving and we were being dismissed at 12 o'clock, I would let the team out at 1140 or 1145. And it was amazing. You would have thought it was like giving your 10-year-old an almond joy. They're like, oh, they were so appreciative. And my peers would be like, hey, well, there's so much to do, or why would you do that? And I go, they're so born out at this point. Whatever I do those last 20 minutes, let me tell you what they're thinking about. They're thinking about their flight. Is it on time? Is the bus or the Uber outside waiting for me? Uh, how am I gonna get am I gonna get in traffic when I land in Utah or Chicago tonight? Where are the kids at? What's going on for the weekend? They're not even thinking about us anymore. So why not? give them something and it'll just promote culture and goodwill and all. Well, and it just shows you see them. Like I understand where you're at right now mentally. And so I'm going to honor that. And so here you go, because this is going to help both of us instead of me hoping that you're going to do something that you're mentally checked out of. And we don't have time for it. Let's be efficient. And the efficiency we're getting at that is we're being authentic and we're building a culture that, Hey, I care. I know what you're thinking. You know why I know that you, what you're thinking, Jen? I'm thinking the same thing. I've been there. Yeah. Who's got a game tomorrow? What time? Where do I got to be? Am I going to get my workout in before? Or when's all that? Because I'm doing the same. And that's what we try to do at Pygon One with our leadership is we try. Uh, I'm not better than the women and men at Duke and Harvard and McKinsey. It's just different. And I try to bring those little things will add up to big things. If we can just keep building on them. Don't do too much at first. Don't go to the gym and kill it with squats, with heavy weights and all that stuff, because you won't be back tomorrow. Right, right. It's the baby steps that add up to all these things. Tell the kids, you don't climb the mountain in the day, right? It takes a long time to climb that mountain, but it's done one step at a time. Well, when you decided to climb your mountain, what was the first day like? Yeah. Um, well, the first day, actually, this is what's interesting. When you go to the mountain, normally the first day you rest. You take in the mountain, you take in the environment, you get adjusted and acclimate to where you are before you even start setting up it. And I think just that pause before the pursuit is so important and something we can use in all areas of our lives that takes a little bit different rewiring because that's typically not how people approach things. 
you know better than I do, but you know, I think for the audience who doesn't understand mountains, how about the whole base camp going up and having to come back down? Yeah. Right. Isn't that amazing? So I did. I thought when I first got into mountaineering, it was, it just took that long to get from base camp to the top. And then when I got into mountaineering, I realized, oh, you need to acclimatize. You need to go up to a point of failure and then come back down to base camp, allow your body to physiologically change to handle the less oxygenated environment. And now you can go up further. And that metaphor is so applicable to our lives and business. We're going to go to a point of failure. That doesn't mean we keep going. That means we come back. What do we learn? What's working well? What is it? How do we shift and adjust so we can go further up the mountain on our next, our next rotation? And I can only imagine going up a mountain when you're exhausted, and especially for the first time, and going, oh my goodness, I get why, I'm do- I, get why I have to do this. That doesn't mean it's easy. Right, right. I think we do it because it isn't easy. I mean, I look at my kids playing video games. If the game's too easy, they're bored. They're not interested. They want the challenge. They want to have it be hard. Not too hard where it gets overwhelming, but just that enough hard. And I think that, I don't know if we ever get rid of that as a human. We want the struggle. We want to overcome. We want to expand our edges. And we do that by doing hard things. I just love to compete. And there's a certain adrenaline rush from competing in whatever that is. Uh, like this weekend, I was going to the gym, my wife and I, and we take, we take cross, we go to CrossFit, so we, we take these classes together, and they're great, they push them. But I, I just was, I had that mindset that day of like, I gotta do something, like, I gotta compete. And she's like, well, we're going to class, and you know, Erica's a crazy lady. And I'm like, I know, but I need to <laughs> do something to compete. So I ended up doing the Murph that day, that's that, you run a mile, then you do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and then you run a mile again with your 20-pound vest on. So I love doing that. Like, I just love that. I do it all relatively routinely. Um, and I share that with everybody because I just wanted to compete. That's it. Yeah. It, it wasn't even, I mean, the time I tried to beat my time, of course, but that's all it was because I wanted to compete like you were talking about with your kids. So what for those of you out there, I'm not saying to do the Murph or any of that stuff or or play the hardest video games like your children. I'm saying is whatever you, whatever for you would give you that dopamine rush and to make that you feel good and accomplish that competing, whether it's work, personal, is so inspiring and makes you, it just makes your day feel so much better and it gets you to a place. You hear ex-athletes all the time, I miss the games, I miss the locker rooms. And I, and I empathize yeah. with them. I get it because I was an athlete. You were all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And after I empathize with them and let them go and make them feel good and because I, I was taught I have to do that because normally I don't want to do that. I want to already fix their problems. So I'm trying to get better at that, Jen. I promise you. I'm not the greatest nice. in empathy, but I'm getting better. Um, I tell them you just got to find something else to compete, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Maybe it's really right. 10 minutes every day. It might be really hard for you. That, there it is. Every day. Read for 10 minutes. Get back to me. Right. Whatever you can do that re like formulates the environment that allows you to have the sensations and feelings that you desire. Amen. Yay. Okay, so talk to us about the podcast. The podcast is nothing more than fun. We don't put okay. money on it. We don't charge anything. All it is is my brother and I 
Um, he, he used to be a chief medical officer at University of Illinois Hospital. He's an anesthesiologist until he realized uh, this executive C-suite stuff is not for me. I just want to take care of patients. Um, okay. we, we wanted to do something for years. And then finally, when I started the company, I said, all right, it's time. And he's like, wait a minute, you're going to start a company, write a book, and we're going to do a podcast? I go, yeah, we're going to do it all. Let's just, let's do it all. My wife knows we're not going on a vacation for any long period of time right now because we're doing this. And it's all driven on content. We don't talk about our favorite pizzas. We don't talk about anything like that. We talk about a topic every week. One week, we talk about when the 16th, what is that? What does it mean? And we do that. And uh, we just have conversations about things that could help people. For example, we did a talk on what's the difference between leadership management, coaching, mentoring, and sponsorship. Because a lot of us oh, have wow. to use all of them and we confuse them. We don't even know the difference of yep. them. Because there's a lot of times in coaching when people say, which is another overused term now in our world, coaching yes. is, a lot of, coaching a lot of people thinks it's me solving your problems. And the reality is good coaching is asking a lot of questions and you solving your own problems through all the questions or me supporting you and getting you there. Um, a lot of times people think management or managing is bad and everyone wants to be leading. I would make an argument, Steve Jobs was the leader. The people who carried out the execution and implementation were the managers. That doesn't happen without them. They're pivotal. We just need to understand when we use them. So we did a podcast on that. So, And then we have guests on. I've got an amazing guest coming before her book. You're going to love her, by the way. I bet I will. will love her. She sounds familiar. Yes, you are going to love everything about her. You're going to love her story, her family, her life. She is going to be a big fan of yours, I promise. I love it. That's fantastic. Okay, so how do the listeners today, well, they can buy your book yes. and then find you to hire you to do consulting for them, their company, all the oh, things. Oh, so kind of you to ask. Win the 16 Principles and Strategies to Optimize Your Day is on Amazon. Shocking. It's on Amazon. It's out there. You can get it paper Perfect. hardcover and it's uh, the audio book as well. We'll talk about the audio book another day. I didn't, it's not my voice, but I got a good story for you another day, Jen. Okay. Pygon One, you can reach me at pygon1.com. That's P as in Paul, Y G O N O N E.com. And you can just contact me to have a conversation, not to hire me and all that kind of good stuff. I always find we become friends first. We talk, we go back and forth and down the line, we do business. So love to hear from anybody out there and uh, we can learn from each other. And then the podcast is just win the 16 podcast. It's virtually everywhere. And uh, my brother and I would love to have you join us on our journey. We have fun. Yay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jen. You were awesome. Yes. Our pleasure.